everybody. Welcome once again to Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is Matt. This is Brett. Yeah. I hope you guys are doing well today. We've got an awesome show lined up for you. This, of course, is the show where we bring in new people to comics. Because that's what we do. We're the gatekeepers. Yeah. Or I was, or the gatekeepers. I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> no, it works. It works. I, uh, I hate myself. Uh, it's all about my self-loathing this episode. <laughs> yeah. Wait, every episode is about our own self-loathing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, oh, guys. You like us, right? <laughs> uh, like I said, we've got a really great show lined up for you guys today. We're going to be reading JLA Rock of Ages, a storyline that happened during Grant Morrison's run on JLA in the late 90s, uh, written by 1997. Grant Morrison. 1997. Yeah, 1997. 1997, 98. Yep. Issues uh, 10 through 15 of JLA. Yes. Uh, I, I remember picking this up at the time and uh, really loving it. was excited to... Go back and revisit it, and uh, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see what everyone else thought of it as well. Yes. And speaking of everybody else, uh, we have a fantastic guest in the room with us today. Uh, he is a very funny comedian. He's a great comedy writer, sketch writer, and the host of America Won't Shut Up. Did I get that right? That's I felt like I felt like <laughs> you got it. No, I feel like I said America I, I, won't I, I, shut up, and then I was like, wait, is it I America won't shut up or America a, can't stop no, talking about? I thought it was just a pregnant pause. Uh, <laughs> our, show, our show is produced by this guy, Taylor Moore, and his girlfriend can never get the name of the show right. Oh, yeah. Uh, and she's she called it at one point, America needs to laugh. Posted my box. This is Jason Flowers. <laughs> Jason Flowers, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be really fun. <laughs> uh, so now that I've made myself a doofus in front of I you thought, I thought it was the, uh, like that, uh, just the great like radio rhythm of like, yes, the great podcast, America won't shut up. Jason Flowers. Actually. Yeah. Like, that's what I thought was yeah. happening. It was. He got it. He nailed it. It wasn't that really I doubted dramatic. myself. This yeah. is really dramatic. We're yeah, all yeah. about doubting ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of doubt. A lot of doubt. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a really, it's a really fun podcast, uh, which the premise of it is. Yeah. Walk it's us kind through. of like an NPR-ish. It's, yeah. It's sort of like an NPR, like trope laden show <laughs> where we follow the, the one thing this week that America will not shut up about. How it's affecting the headlines, the Twitter trends. We bring in uh, character guests to speak to it, and of course, the whole thing is like we just make up the thing. Yeah, yeah. But, like it's some generic thing or some like super specific thing that doesn't really exist. Yeah, yeah. And we just play that from all angles, and we add in fake commercials and just that like sort of uh, radio tone to like absolute absolute ridiculousness. Yeah, it's a really great. I I really like the the attention to detail that goes into the yeah, show, thanks. and I, I really enjoy I, I really enjoy the authority with which everyone delivers their opinions yeah. <laughs> within any situation itself too. Because that's I always I always love that sort of uh, that sort of character type. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, clueless confidence. I oh, guess yeah, exactly. is, that, is that a yeah. And your co-host is Pat O'Brien. Yes, another comedy writer here in, in the NYC. Yep. Yep. Super yeah. funny dude. Super Rest funny. The Onion and family at UCB and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. produced by Taylor Moore, who's also yeah super funny super guy. Funny. Super it's funny just guy. Chock full of hilarity. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, some sample topics that you could listen to are rollerblading to school. Yep, America won't shut up about rollerblading. They to will school. not <laughs> shut up about <laughs> it. That's a big thing. Like yeah. uh, uh, we have what other current trends. Uh, going outside with that wet hair, fighting. America yeah. Yeah. stop talking about fighting with, be it arguing, punching, shoving. <laughs> America loves fighting. They got, they we got to talk about it. The first yeah. episode was Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. And Actually, that the show started. Me and Pat met. We, I said, Hey, Pat, we should do a podcast. We both have similar sense of humor. 
and we were going to do an entire like Home Alone podcast. Yeah. Ah! Where, but it wasn't about like Home Alone. Like we, we approached, like, hey, let's talk about what's new in the Home Alone year. It was a podcast and radio show that existed in the Home Alone universe. Yeah. Is what the idea was. <laughs> and at some point, we were like, we, and we beat out like all these segments and like. We were gonna have like recurring characters of like wise weirdos, like how oh like, yeah, the yeah. old like strange person, like yeah, you have yeah. a different one of those every week. Or... Yeah, yeah. And so like basic, the basic construct of the show was sort of beat out. And then I talked to Taylor. I was like, hey, uh, Pat and I want to do this podcast. I think we want to have you involved. Uh, come convince us not to do this Home Alone podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that's literally what I said to him. And so that sort of like transferred into basically the structure of that became what we do now. Then we just take like a weird thing yeah. every week. And we wanted to do, I think the idea was to like start doing like pop culture things, like outdated stuff like Home Alone. One of the earliest. Wait, Home Alone's out- outdated? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, come on. It's evergreen. It's evergreen. Yeah, yeah, and one of the uh, other. But it's not a thing like that America is talking about this week. That's true. No, yeah. That's Especially, sort of the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, like forty-eight like, weeks of the year, they're not. Right, talking literally, about like you it. can't. You go to Hot Topic, there are Home Alone t-shirts, and like it's just. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's the thing. <laughs> yeah, kids, early, kids getting shaving, uh, shaving lotion, and slapping their faces right, in, the, exactly. in the aisles of Revco. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Revco. Uh, Re- I remember Revco. Yeah. Well, uh, America won't stop talking won't about stop Revco. Talking. I think another early topic we pitched was like the firm, the book. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Talking about the firm, but only in the movie. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a movie. <laughs> exactly. It kind of ties into like I was thinking of, like last night how I want to write a sketch where just a throwaway specific is six 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 Park Avenue. <laughs> like yeah. a character just like super obsessed with six 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 Park Avenue. It's like yeah. that. Like no one, no one is watching that show. Yeah. No one's I, talking I about that. I gave that, that show. show a try. I watched the first episode and was like, nah, all right, that's yeah. It. <laughs> Yeah, like I like when people have like weird specific yeah, things yeah, yeah. like act. Yeah, so that's a really funny idea. <laughs> Home Alone is a great. Oh, Home Alone is thing. Home Alone honestly is uh, my Star Wars. Yeah, like not kidding. Like, yeah, yeah. That was the thing that like, I think in fifth grade I watched that movie. 150 times. Wow. In, like that year. Like, not. Can kidding. you name all the siblings in Home Alone? Oh, that's, yeah, that's really easy to do. Oh. There's a, well, there's a line in the movie where he's like talking to Santa and he's oh. like, nah, for yeah. Christmas, I just want my family back. Nothing but Peter, Kate, Buzz, Megan, Lenny, and Jeff. Those are all his siblings. And my aunt and my uncles. And if he has time, my Uncle Frank. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, the family, the family tree of Home Alone baffles me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, there's an older Pete in there. Isn't True. He, old Pete is one of them, or Pete and Pete. Oh yeah, well, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the actor. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and there's Buzz. That's Jeff. Yeah. Did Buzz, Buzz take classes at UCB? This might not be interesting. Interesting to our college I don't know. Listeners, but I feel I like there was a rumor, like true. a year or two ago, that Buzz from Home Alone was taking classes at UCB in New York. That's. It, but is that like the is that like the rumor that everyone also <laughs> had in uh, in the late '90s in co- Like, so I went. I started college in like '98 and. Uh, and everyone at every school said that uh, Topanga from Boy Meets World <laughs> was going to school oh, at their college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone thought that. So is that, yeah, is, it is, might is have that been every version? every improv school in the country thought, like, hey, no, Buzz is taking classes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, speaking of the 90s, um, you're a big fan of the 90s. I am, we do, yeah. uh, You also uh, help do Cool Songs for Teen Girls, which Correct. is a show that's run at the UCB. You did like four, five? A cool show for two. We yeah. did that for a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. it was an awesome we show. Did like, 
We did three throughout a year, and then we did like nine in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great round. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, got that's... to I got to come on and be uh, uh, one of the bad boys in the bad boys dating <laughs> segments. Yeah, uh, that, was times. that was another sort fun. of like that was like a TRL sort of yeah, yeah. show where yeah. We, but it was all aimed at like positivity for young girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we talk about like the five things on the countdown this week that are like cool for girls, and one of them was always like bad boys because bad boys are just like super. <laughs> yeah. And then we have like a dating game style thing where it was just weird dumb characters come in and play weird dumb characters. It was a lot of fun. I I remember I remember coming into the show like I saw like the early one. You guys had Joey Fatone, Chris Kirkpatrick, or it was Chris Kirkpatrick. Come on, jeez. Yes. I am so oh. sorry. It's tearing up my heart now <laughs> yeah, that exactly. I got that wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, it was the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got Chris Kirkpatrick yeah. from NSYNC yeah, yeah. to come do the first so talk, show. So talk to us about that. That I mean, is how'd huge. That, how'd that come about? Our, uh, so Dan Chamberlain, who's another hilarious comedian here, like he and I had been running that blog, this Cool Songs for Teen Girls blog on Tumblr and stuff. We were like, oh, we should do something with that. We, so we like beat out basically in one night the uh, format of what the show would be. We were like, oh, how do we... like? make sure that we can get a run with this thing or, like, that they'll let us do it. We're like, let's reach out for, like, a guest or whatever. Who, who could we get? And, you know, there's, like, minor celebrities floating around New York who've done, like, a lot of UCB stuff. Yeah. And we were like, nah, let's... Why not just aim big, as big as we can get, who's, like, was mega famous then, probably super wealthy, but has, like, nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And that was... Like, how about... So we reached out for Chris Kirkpatrick... And like that night, we made like a little dumb Tumblr video, like pledge, like basically saying like, both of us earnestly love pop music without yeah oh, oh yeah. yeah like without like yeah you two are like you two are like a vault of pop music yeah knowledge. and it's and it's not like ironic in any way like just l- like love pop music, so we did this like heartfelt sort of like seriously we you know number one like in sync fan in the world probably I don't know maybe love it. Uh, so we did, you know, and, uh, within three days, one of his, like, best friends had seen the video, contacted him, and was like, he'll do it. That's <laughs> amazing. Like, what the <laughs> so, so then we well, got, Where like, does a, he live? He lives in Orlando. So did he fly he in? He flew in. He flew himself in. Ah. Oh. Yeah, he missed his flight that morning, too, got another flight at noon, like, was there, and then he hung out with us that whole, it was like a Friday night at midnight, the show went up. He got in, like, I picked him up at the airport at, like, two or three. You picked him up at the airport? Yeah. I went to the airport and picked him up, brought him in, in, like, a taxi cab and stuff. And he hung out with us the whole day. Like, came to UCB. uh, We wrote him a sketch at five o'clock where he played this, like, fitness, like, sort of Darren's Dance Grooves kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Selling, like, a DVD. And he memorized the whole sketch. And he went back to his hotel room in three hours, memorized the sketch, and fucking nailed it. Nailed it. Like, the guy was a pro. Wow. And yeah, he just like he went to McManus with us and like hung out till three a.m. and like we bought him. He, uh, me, Chamberlain, and Caitlin Taggart, who at the time was uh, like directing the show. Yeah, we went and we bought him like a UCB sweatshirt, which he loved, and like yeah, see, I've seen him photographed in it since. Oh, he just, oh yeah. really? Yeah. Oh man, he's just like had, he was like super on board and on game, and it was just it was a fucking blast. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> So yeah, you being a connoisseur of the '90s, which I will call you that. Yeah, I think that's uh, a, a, a yeah. I, yeah, I'll take that title. Put that on a business card. <laughs> I remember I asked you at the UCB East, like, did you read any comics in the '90s? Because also one thing we find out with a lot of recurring guests on our show is they all read comics during the comics boom of the early '90s yeah. when comics were like, were, when literally America would not shut, shut up, up about, about comics. comics. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
You could do that now, and it would be <laughs> it would actually be what you're wanting. Yeah, because <laughs> America never talks about comics. Um, America won't shut up about comics where people don't die. <laughs> yeah. That's the only time people talk about comics now is when they die. Yeah. But I want I wanted to know, like, did you read comics in the '90s, uh, knowing how '90s? Yeah. Uh, but you didn't, or did no, you? I can rem- like I distinctly remember the one time in my life I went to a comic book store. Like, as a kid. Like, I've gone a couple times now just because, like, with friends who go and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Flipper, I've never bought anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, my dad took me to a comic book store, uh, which had, it was like a pop-up comic book store. It opened, and I think it was only there for maybe four or five months, and oh, then it closed down. Someone's okay. dream. Yeah, Someone's dream yeah. died. And the only comic I ever bought uh, was, it was a Captain Power yeah. Do you remember Captain Power? I don't. Oh, yeah. Captain Power was like this light. It, 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 the, the toys used to come with a that's, VHS That's cassette. why I bought Like, I think I got that and then immediately got, like, launched onto the toys. Yeah. But, yeah, it was the VHS tape and it had, like, a, a the toy gun Yeah, thing. the toy was, like, a, also a gun that you would shoot oh, at the... You would shoot at the VHS tape and your guy would fly out and oh, stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, because okay. it would shoot, like, the, the enemies on the, the tape would shoot back at your at your character in your hand and if they... Like it was, uh, it was like sensors. It was like infrared, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow! And uh, and if they hit, if it hit, like the if the are sensor... you guys from the future? <laughs> <laughs> this is a, like that was the extent of my comic book. Like, and I think this will pre- like this will be this will influence a lot of my questions going forward. Oh and, yeah. Like, as a kid, I was. I mean, I watched like the Superman movies, and I was into like Batman, like Bat the first Batman movie. Oh yeah. I saw is the most mo- times I've ever seen a movie in the theater. Like I saw it eight times. And so nice. I like the characters. Like I, I was into Spider Man toys for a little bit, but never had any knowledge of like. Yeah. But it was basically uh, m- my fascination with like comic book characters as a kid. It was the same reason I loved like uh, the movie Teen Wolf. <laughs> yeah. It was it was the transformation from human like oh, person yeah. to this other identity, and that was what. And there's not a lot of that in what we. Oh yeah, today. that's. Yeah, that is one of the like I, I could read you know, like like Smallville. I watched like the first five or six seasons. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, you probably watched more of that than a lot of comic book fans. Yeah, did. <laughs> but it was like I, it was like the idea. I didn't care. Like you know, it was like it was the Clark Kent of it. It's the yeah. Bruce Wayne. It's the Peter Parker. Yeah, not all that fascinated or interested in the superhero stuff. Yeah, other than. You know, the like Clark Kent running and ripping his like shirt open. Yeah, coolest fucking thing in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. Superman fighting some alien from another planet. Couldn't get tough to relate. To. Yeah, tough. To, yeah, yeah. That's why I mean, if we're my history with this this specific story, I feel like this JLA storyline really kind of encapsulates the things. This is gonna sound bad. That. Uh, <laughs> That like have kept that kept me away from DC Comics because I'm a Marvel Comics okay. guy, and Marvel Comics seems much more uh, hinged upon that thing you mentioned of the like the Peter Parker, the Steve Rogers, yeah. the Tony Stark, and that was also Stan Lee's big thing in the '60s was I want to create alter egos that are like three dimensional characters first and then heroes second. Uh, in kind of a reaction to, like, Superman is also Clark Kent, and Batman's also Bruce Wayne, but we want to see them as these characters. Right. Uh, so I remember when Grant Morrison's run on JLA started, because it was a huge thing in comics. I was, this was 97, so I was 13. Uh, I was reading Wizard Magazine every month, which is like Entertainment Weekly for comic books, okay. yes. basically is what I always equate it to. Um, and, like, they were, like, on the cover of it every month. Like, everyone was like, 
America wouldn't shut up about JLA. Right. Basically. This is kind of going to run <laughs> well, this no, well, the reason uh, that the reason that was though even at the time was that uh, so DC went through this sort of phase. This was this came out at the tail end of the comics boom. Uh, so what happened was there was this oh, yeah. uh, artificial speculation market. People started to believe that if you bought 20 copies of a book and held on to them for a little while, it would drive the price up quickly, and then you could sell off. So you'd buy Spawn number one for $2, and you buy 10 of them, $2 each, and then you'd try to sell each of them at $20. The problem was they were printing so many that it was easy for everyone to get a hold of a copy. Uh, So they were trying to short-sell the market, uh, and then once people realized that they couldn't short-sell them, and you actually had to hold on to things for them to actually increase in value, people just like lost interest, and the bottom fell out. And DC went through this restructuring at the time where they were like, where they realized that that their that their main franchise, the Justice League, was sort of populated by not the most popular characters, and they needed to bring people in again. Yeah. And they decided to give the franchise to a writer, Grant Morrison, who was just starting to become very popular and very well respected. Uh, he has a lot of big science fiction ideas, which oh, you probably yeah. guessed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this thing is nothing but. <laughs> Yeah, at least two new ideas a page. Right, that yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a whole story. Yeah, yeah exactly. tell that. And basically, uh, basically, they were like, "Okay, we are going to make that. We're going to put the icons in this book again. Okay, we're going to put the icons in it. We're going to let you tell big stories, like big crazy superhero stories. So that's what they started doing. But of course, because it was still the '90s, there's all this weird shit happening with the characters in their own books. So like. As we find out immediately at the beginning of the story, Superman's a blue electrical guy right now. Uh, Wonder Woman is it's dead. dead. Yeah, uh, the right. Flash was injured because of stuff that was happening in his own book. I think I don't think he broke his leg or anything in a previous storyline. Yeah, but Dumb like question. So uh, these six characters we meet or whatever, they all have books running simultaneously yeah. that inf- the stories influence each other. Is that yeah, there, well, there's there are two different the status ways. quos. Okay. Influence each other. That's sort right, of okay. how it works. Uh, the way that, that that this is normally handled is like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, Aquaman all have their own solo titles where they go do their own things, and then they'll all be on a book like Justice League together. Most books with with something like this happen, they don't really pay that much attention to the solo stuff. Or they'll just say, well, all these 12 issues of, of this team book all take place in between these one issues of these people's solo titles. Right. JLA is interesting in that it's kind of like Grant Morrison's just writing along and then we'll get whatever the 97 equivalent of an email is. It's like, uh, hey, Wonder Woman's dead. Okay, cool. She's out of my book. And he just like, keeps going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, hey, Superman's blue now. Okay, he's blue now. Like, he doesn't... Most, most team books seem like they have a story in mind and then tell all the story they want to tell... Get that wrapped up, and then we'll address all those weird little changes, and sure. then go again. Whereas Grant Morrison seems like he had a plan, and just they he did not care to let any of the other stuff really. Like he would just like, yeah. nope, I'm not gonna write it in. She's dead. Fine, whatever. I'm moving on. Yeah. Uh, so that it makes the book. Cause I'm right now. This is good for me because I was actually on issue nine because I'm reading this for the first time. Uh, and I was on issue nine, and then you picked this. I was like, "Oh, that's exactly where I am." So cool. Like in the in issue nine, Wonder Woman is in it. Like she is alive. Her life is not in peril. <laughs> like, yeah. And I was like, "Really? She died?" I had to go to Wikipedia and be like, "When in the late nineties did Wonder Woman die?" Yeah. So so this story itself, 
Uh, in a nutshell, basically... Uh, can you do this in a nutshell? Can I do... Okay. <laughs> this is a huge yeah. nut. <laughs> can I do this in a nutshell? A new segment where I try to sum up a storyline as crazy as... Oh, oh, God, that's how big a nutshell is? Ten yeah. seconds big. Uh, I would have given you at least 18 seconds. Fair enough. <laughs> but we've just wasted eight seconds, so... Son of a bitch! Yeah. Uh, 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 the next ten seconds is just me doing that. Uh, but basically what happens is um, the JLA are attacked by uh, hard-light constructs of themselves. Again, Grant Morrison's crazy ideas. Well, Love everyone knows death. what a hard-light construct is. Yeah. Did, did Grant Morrison start writing at one? Yes. Yeah, okay, so yeah. he's written. Yeah, so uh, <coughs> basically, basically the JLA are answering a distress call, and they find out that it's a focused attack from what they believe to be an organization of supervillains that are, that are influenced by the fact that they have recreated the Justice League as the icons of the DC universe and it turns out they're right and the villains find uh have found a weapon that uh, that that can literally reshape reality simply by thinking about it kind of like the tesseract in the avengers movie yes uh, and, what, and it's called the philosopher's stone stone yeah so are you a harry potter person <laughs> Now, other than I've seen them all once in one sitting, I watched seven movies in a Saturday. Slam! So, that is crazy. Like it was like you know eight years after the Harry Potter fact, and the, they had just ended. I was like, all right, I'm gonna watch these. I borrowed somebody's DVD, and it was just it was all too much. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it, but it was just I shouldn't have consumed it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what is the deal with the philosopher's? I don't even. I was like, why is this Harry? Why is that? Because it's the Sorcerer's Stone in America, but it's the Philosopher's Stone in the UK. Yeah. What is that? Is that an actual? Okay, I have to imagine. Is that a historical thing? <laughs> I, I immediately, I immediately want to say that it was. Yeah. I, well, that's my my immediate my immediate uh, uh, cynic wants to say that that was probably the marketing department for the. Um, for the publisher themselves saying, like, oh, can't say Philosopher's Stone because we already have too much sort of uh, uh, pagan and Wiccan things happening here and we have, yeah. like, a really big book and we kind of want to lure kids into it. I don't know. Uh, that's just me, though. I don't think that they needed to change it. Yeah. It's weird to have But that is it a thing? Like, is is this the first time the term Philosopher's Stone had ever been used? In, the, in DC oh. Comics. Oh, in or DC in Comics? Anything, really, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Well, Philosopher's Stone is sort of a concept. Okay. That's that's a concept that kind of goes back centuries. So they've all just generically taken this thing. That yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the idea of a Philosopher's Stone is that. But um, the Philosopher's Stone itself, as far as I know, this is the first time that it appears in... Uh, that it, that it actually appears in in DC continuity. It's a okay. I believe it was a MacGuffin created by Morrison for this book. Okay. And that that's MacGuffin, cool, cool. it turns out is something that leads to an even bigger crisis that we yeah. didn't know. The structure, this this is structured very interestingly. Because uh, you, you have, like, two issues of them fighting the Injustice Gang, which is, like, Lex Luthor um, and the Joker and a whole bunch of other guys who I don't know. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not, I don't, my DC is very shaky. Uh... And then they get transported to 15 years in the future. If they didn't, if they, if this critical point in the past, it's like a potential future, is yeah, that sort of right. Yeah. And then, and then we get into Dark Side and all the new gods, which I know nothing about. Uh, and I have the 
This is there's so much in this. Yeah. All right, so well, like, well then let's jump let's jump in from the beginning. Yeah, um, I. What? So well, okay. Aztec. Let's talk about <laughs> Aztec. Okay, there's so, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so at the beginning of the story, at the beginning of the story, uh, the JLA is answering a distress call in Star City, which is a city in the DC universe where the Flash hangs out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's Keystone City. Oh. Uh, Star, City, Star City. Star City is Green Arrow. Okay. <laughs> New York. Just put them all in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they answer a distress call, and it turns out that there are these purple creatures that look exactly like the JLA, but have skulls over the, all of their iconic symbols, right. and they're attacking and destroying yeah. the, the city. And the JLA take them down uh, and realize that they are hard light constructs. And we're sort of slowly introduced to each of the characters and their status quos at that time. So Green Arrow is not... Oliver Queen, because... Star of the CW's Arrow? Yes. Are you watching Arrow? No, I am not. <laughs> That's okay. I still haven't... I know, I still haven't... I don't even know if it's any good. Uh, I've heard really good things. I'm yeah. doing well in the ratings. Um, but America has awful taste. So, you know. <laughs> well, Ollie Queen was dead at the time. Here's yeah. another guy. That was another fun thing that they loved to do in the 90s, was either break characters or kill them. Okay. Yeah, uh, because it's old books. Have other people... Uh, so you're reading this, and you get to Blue Superman. What is your initial thought? Yeah. <laughs> what is... I, I just have to just go along with it. Yeah. <laughs> There's very much... There is a lot of... What's happening? It's not like a different suit. He's, he's like blue all over. His... Yeah. yeah. He's blue all over, and his powers are electricity-based. Yeah. yeah. Like... And the uniform is actually a containment suit. And isn't there a lot of talk of like him having new powers in this yeah. where he's like oh let me try this new th- or something like that yeah yeah. It's, just, it's it's weird how again like in the context of JLA like I'm just reading this they do not explain it yeah no. like, it's like issue 7 he's normal 8 he's blue and like he's like yeah I'm blue now and everyone's like oh but no one well, it literally why? he shows up for the funeral of Metamorpho yeah. in issue 5 yeah. and the and pastor like, is like you're su- Superman you're blue and he's like long story <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what they say um, <laughs> like well, and even in, in this first issue where they say, like, Aztec, this character Aztec is up in the Watchtower, and they have, like, this little footnote, like, oh, Aztec joined in Aztec number 10. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, this was his first appearance yeah, on the team yeah. as well, yeah. yeah. So, uh, is that, how, did, how did they join? Like, he signed, like, a free agent contract with the Justice League of America? Basically, yeah. They accidentally run into each other on, <laughs> yeah. like, in a battle, and they're like, ah, you did pretty well. You should hang out with us sometime. Yeah. And then, spoiler alert, he ends, he quits in issue 15. He does. In the yeah. last issue of this. So the entirety of his tenure with the Justice League is him like hanging out on the Watchtower. <laughs> well, I will say, I, I will say in the longer run of the story, Aztec does come back in okay. the play. I'm not going to tell you when because you're, you're yeah, still reading yeah, through the entire series. Yeah. This is also the, other than uh, the word Aztec being in my vocabulary that I've ever heard of. This, <laughs> I, this is the yeah. most I've ever said it. Like, no, I, I mean, I like... He was introduced, and I, was, I don't even know. I don't who know who he is. is. Like Aztec, the Ultimate Man, was a creation of well, Grant Morrison and Mark you, Miller. You can read on page like thirteen of the Grant Morrison has some Chris Claremontian dialogue in this. He writes a lot. I would yeah. say, if you, you for mo- most comic books are not this dense. Oh really? Yeah. Like this was not taxing on me, but it's like, oh man, he's writes a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's a mouthful. I just want to read this because it explains what. This is what Grant Morrison writes as Martian Manhunter is, like, hopping into his spaceship to fly away. He says, 
Uh, and Aztec, you're the current champion of the Mesoamerican God of Light. You have limitless four-dimensional energy at your disposal, and your helmet contains the sword tactical knowledge of all your predecessors. You fought and beaten the Parasite, Amazo, and the Joker. We trust you with the equipment. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of exposition. Yeah, well, you know, it's a uh, that's, that's definitely not something that would exist in the Home Alone universe. <laughs> yeah, <sure>. no. <laughs> no, definitely. As you see, I have constructed the entire house with a whole bunch of traps. <laughs> like you opened up that door. And it had a, a a heat iron on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so so, what was your what was your sort of takeaway after after like jumping in? Because they you really you really get thrown into the deep end at the beginning yeah, of the yeah, story. No right? kidding. Uh, Even if you read issue nine, you get thrown into the deep end. <laughs> yeah. So what so what was your what was your sort of thoughts and and, and takeaways from this first part here? Uh, I think I I felt like I hit the ground running. It's about as good for like. No knowledge of anything that's happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like all the characters seemed aside, aside from Batman seemed very stylized from like what I'd maybe seen before. Oh, how so? Yeah. I, I was I was just having some trouble like keeping track of even who was who. Oh because, yeah. Uh huh. There's like, a lot of characters. Yeah, too. and there's so there and there's like double characters because of the, <laughs> the bad guys and mm-hmm. there's like and then there's like the thing where uh, I was just. But I think by the end of the first or second issue, I found myself in the rhythm of comics. Also, not being a reader, like oh yeah, like the logic of like how like uh, dialogue flows and like uh, yeah. the boxes and movies. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a, and stuff. Like, it's like an intuition that you have to learn yeah, in yeah, a way, yeah. which is yeah. weird. Like you can't like I I even notice now, even after reading comics for almost twenty years, there are sometimes where I <laughs> I learn to think, man, just make the choice and go with it. It's yeah, almost like yeah, leaping yeah. off a cliff. But the cliff is deciding to read that thought bubble in that order. <laughs> right? Right, yeah. well, and, and it definitely is too. Like uh, Howard Porter's, I'm, I'm a big, I I like talking about page design a lot. Sure. And Howard Porter's designs here are very, they're really kinetic. I really like, I really like the energy in his artwork. But there is a lot going on in panel to panel, and I can yeah. see how sometimes there are tricks that you can do where you sort of draw someone in a certain way in a panel so that their body language leads you right, your right. eye into the next panel. And there's definitely some of that here, but there is, like, like at what point do you sacrifice detail for page flow, and how do you do that with 30 people that you have yeah. to have on the page? Uh, what... Okay, what are your preconceived notions of Aquaman before reading this and then seeing him in this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because... He seemed like, looked like a very like more Greek god sort of thing, like with the long hair yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, like, and, and the beard. Fish hook hand. Yeah, yeah, the fish hook hand at the time, and the sort, the half armor. Isn't, yeah, isn't he like tight blue shirt, orange like? He's a tight like orange shirt sure. and yeah. like scales green. or something. Like green, green yeah, something like, like green yeah. leg thing. Yeah, green this... leggings, orange fish scale uh, yeah. armor on top. Yeah, this is. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was Aztec, I think, for half of it. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. But, yeah, it makes more sense. Well, I mean, when yeah. you think of Fishman, you think long hair. Yeah, yeah. Like, coming out of the water with, like, the hair all over yeah, his Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he actually, uh, during that time, also, uh, his secret identity was the Gordon's Fisherman, so. That's not true at all. <laughs> That's not true. No. Uh, could be, should be. Maybe. Yeah, but again, like Aquaman. Here's a character that went through another '90sization. So he had a fish hook for an arm because one of his villains. He was at the time. He looked like that, and one of his villains stuck his hand in like a piranha tank, and they ate his hand away. Yeah. So he did not have a hand and had to get it replaced with this 
with this hook of the, it's a harpoon too. Yeah. Eventually he shoots like he can shoot it out. Uh, like an action figure. Yeah. <laughs> like but then really but then he but then it also made him grow his hair out and get a beard and yeah. stop yeah. wearing shirts. Well, I've never lost my hand. So <laughs> Yeah. Do do those sort of changes just happen or does like he just grow his hair out over the course of a year? Usually it just like Okay, this is going to be crazy, but comic book characters' hair growth is inconsistent, and it kind of drives me crazy. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm sure, I didn't read that Aquaman run, but I could almost bet that he went from short hair to long hair within a month. It was, like, it, it didn't it was a pretty grow. quick transition. Um, because I know this is always sticks out with me, uh, an issue of X-Men, like X-Men... 43, like some like in the mid-90s issue of X-Men, oh, Andy okay. Kubert drew Psylocke with like a bob. Uh, and they even like call out like, oh, nice haircut. And she like... Oh, right. And then like two issues later, super long hair again. Right. Or even... The, the thing is with a book, with a character like Aquaman is they appear in multiple comics a month. So an artist can give them a haircut, but unless an editor like makes a note of that and tells all the other artists drawing Aquaman, by the way, this is now Aquaman's look, please, you know... Yeah. Do it. It'll just get lost in the shuffle. Okay, so where do, where do those things happen? Is that at the writer level? Is that at the artist level? Is it's that an edi- editorial yeah. level, actually. Okay. Yeah, it probably... Depending I mean, on it's circumstance to circumstance, but it would probably be a mix of all three. Yeah. Or an artist would say, I want to cut his hair, and then they would probably have to run that by editorial, right. or the writer... Uh, and then it's up to the editor to actually make sure that everyone pays attention to that. Yeah. It, it, and it depends, I think, on the performance of the book itself. Like, oh, yeah. Some books, they'll give they'll give to an up-and-coming creator, and it's, like, low-selling. You know what I mean? And they're like, go to town, because nothing's working yet in yeah. this book. And, you know, it may only be on the stands for another six issues, so... Well, yeah. what ideas you have? Throw it all out there. Let's see what sticks. There is definitely that. Like, if you want to read some really good superhero comics, go and look at the sellers and read all the ones that are, like, not selling well in some cases. Because, like, to go and use a specific example, like Brian Wood's recent run on X-Men, uh, which X-Men is not a good-selling title. The best-selling X-Men titles are Wolverine and the X-Men or Uncanny X-Men but just regular X-Men also that's another thing there are way too many X-Men comics <laughs> <laughs> um, but regular X-Men is the lowest selling one so he kind of got to tell this really cool self-contained weird story where Storm was a total badass yeah. uh, and like kicking ass doing amazing things being an awesome character uh, that's not reflected in the higher selling books that she's appearing in that like really like Iron Will attitude isn't because they don't he is on the book that isn't selling a lot, so he can do whatever he wants. Right. He can make Storm a hard ass. Yeah. Uh, and the editors aren't going to be like, well, we don't know if that's what we want people seeing Storm as. Like, yeah. Um, so I feel like the books that are selling more make the big decisions, and then the tinier books either have to go along or can do whatever they want. So yeah. It's a lot of talk about Aquaman's hair length. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> but, it's, but it's true, though. I mean, you know, uh, and again, too, it's like that sort of 90s-ization. They were doing that to so many time. different... Yeah, like, everyone was getting changed. They broke Batman's back, and they put this other guy... They made a Batman armor, and this other guy yeah. became Batman. <laughs> and uh, um, so there's a lot of stuff like that happening sure. in Of DC. all the characters... Um, because one of my kind of complaints-ish about Grant Morrison in general is I have I have thoughts about Grant Morrison and the whole as a writer um, that are controversial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I feel like he, he's very, very good at ideas, but he's I don't find him the best at uh, doing individual characters, like actually making you 
really relate or know who a character right. is in comparison to all the other ones. Because I kind of feel like in this book, and this is what I want to know from you, from my opinion, I feel like Aquaman, Superman, and kind of Batman are all the same-ish character in this. Oh, really? They all kind of... I don't know, I feel like they're all the ones that are like, I don't know, just kind of like blankly like know what's going on in control. Uh, the ones that I was most interested in were like Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, uh, and like Green Arrow, and kind of Flash. Because like, I like that... Um, I gotta pull this up. There was a really amazing <laughs> line from Green Lantern in, I think, issue two or three, uh, <laughs> where, um, uh, where they're, they're having coffee after they defend this city. Uh, him and Green Lantern and the Green Arrow are having coffee, and Green Lantern says, How can I look Superman in the eye and tell him I can't help with relief work in Star City because I'm late with the logo design for an internet cafe? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I related to him because he was one of the only ones that had like these more grounded. Yeah, he yeah, said yeah, dude yeah. a lot, right? So of all of That's all the, main the characters, only like I think like real person moment you get yeah. in this, yeah, where it's like I mean they could have easily been out of costume having this conversation, yeah, where, yeah. Like, but that was what I liked about, and, and that, well, you know, I don't want to make I don't want to make it about. We can just focus on the story itself. But what I did like is. Um, I felt like Morrison treated Aquaman and Superman and Batman and, and even Martian Manhunter oh, yeah, as Martian these Manhunter. as those people that are in control because they are. Oh, yeah, they're they are. the they're the top level and everyone looks at them as the icons, right? Yeah. Uh, and then and then you have these guys like Kyle Rayner's the Green Lantern now, not Hal Jordan anymore, so right. he's a legacy character. Uh, Green Arrow is is the original Green Arrow's son. He doesn't and, know what he's doing. And he doesn't know what he's doing either, and he's a legacy character. And I thought that, you know, we were talking about accessibility earlier. Like, I like that, that he gave a street-level point of view to this sort of cosmic shenanigan that's happening of, right. like, you know, I, I love that sort of moment of, of humanization yeah. for those guys. Who did you like the most? I feel like... The Green Lantern was the only one that I felt was actively like being something. Yeah, yeah. If that makes any sense. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, I think totally. you were like these four. First off, <laughs> back to page one. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea who Jean or John. Oh yeah, yeah. And the Mar- the what's John the Martian Johns. Manhunter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Never heard of him. Yeah. No, no. Like, I assume he's a mega huge character. I, yeah. <laughs> he was obviously leading, and like he was the guy they were reporting to. Yeah, never heard. Well, of the, of so the I was very intimidated from page one. Like, Who's <laughs> oh, this guy? Sure. Of the seven, it's interesting because of the big seven, which is what they call like the 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 JLA roster is the big seven. Yeah, uh, Martian Manhunter is the only one of the seven who can never sustain having a solo book. Yeah, he's had a bunch, but I don't know if many of them get past issue ten or twelve, maybe twenty. But like, he's a character that. When this Justice League movie launches, he will be in, most like, likely. Most yeah. likely, okay. yeah, he'll be the character. Like you know, Hawkeye, Hawkeye and Avengers in Avengers, right? Like here's a character that's never really sustained his own book, but he's always around in the right. Avengers books. Yeah, and Him he and has Black a major Widow part. Like that. Yeah, um, so that's sort of who Martian Manhunter is. I feel like uh, if you in in terms of like having a comedy group, like he's the director. And and everyone talks about sure, a group, yeah. and then they always talk about the people that are on stage or the writers. But then the, everyone always forgets that there's like also a director or a producer. Right, right. Okay, he's the behind the scenes guy. Yeah. Um, but they so pretty much kind of covered a like they go to there's all that new god stuff 
Well, well, let's well, let's talk about the lead up to that. Yeah. Too. So, like the Injustice Gang, who turns out is is the like the op- like the icons, the iconic villains of each of these guys. So it Which turns is a out. Speak to the Rhodes Gallery that I only knew Joker and Lex Luthor. Like all the other yeah. ones, I did not know. Oh, uh, so there, so the, yeah, there was Joker, there was Luthor, there was Mirror Master. Who's is he? Who is he fighting? Mirror Master is a Flash villain. He's one of the okay. Flash Rogues. Okay. Uh, and he's a guy that can sort of you so can these, tell this whole gang is all like people they fought in other issues. Yeah. Is it like in Captain Planet when they had the they had the evil Captain Planet, Captain Pollution or whatever? Yeah. Or they had like Duke Nukem hot uh, come on, let's let's just talk about <laughs> Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> well no, it's it's it is it is very much like that. Like the uh 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 Gem Son of Saturn was the was red that? alien, he's oh, okay. a manhunter villain. Um, well, he was just kind of a pawn. Like, he was, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, they all were. Lu- like Luther, Luther has a crazy in-depth plan. L- Luther is a Luther. Luther's a sociopath. Yeah. And Graham Morrison writes him as as an alpha male sociopath. Yeah. Uh, he he is. Um, it's funny. I just watched the newest episode of It's Always Sunny, where they all go into. Uh, uh, <laughs> therapist's office, and I kept thinking of Dennis Reynolds the entire time. I'm sorry, I'm a big uh, It's Always Sunny geek, and, and his plans very much felt like uh, the dossiers that Dennis has on the entire gang uh, <laughs> because he shows it's it's amazing. Um, yeah, so, uh, but the Injustice gang's hanging out, and they're, they're uh, and Circe, by the way, is, uh, is a Wonder Woman villain, so she's still around. Um, Does she know that Wonder Woman's dead? Does yes. she get the memo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's looking at the notes in the issue too. Like, oh, wait, hold yeah. on. <laughs> Editor's note. Oh, she's dead. Should I go? Oh no, no, I'll stay. I'll stay. Cool. You still have a reason for me to I be mean, here. Also, to play the voice of Nicole, also the only woman in the entire yeah. five issues. Yeah, it is a sausage fest. It is this. definitely a sausage fest. Um, yeah, the only other time they sort of address a woman... Well, Diana... Okay, so we'll, we'll get to oh, the yeah. new gods. But then, like, before that, the only other woman that you see or is mentioned is <laughs> Ollie... Like, I'm sorry, Connor uh, Green Arrow saying that after he rescued some woman, she gave him his phone number. <laughs> gave him uh, her phone number? Yeah. Yeah. Gave him his phone. No, no, no. Gave him his phone number. He didn't know what it was. And she was With like, cell phones and yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, I don't know what my number is. Yeah. No, no, no. I can, uh, give me your iPhone. I'll check it out. Uh, I mean, here you go. Part of, like... I, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, I to say I did. I appreciate this story. I'm going to keep reading it. It's. I wonder if my own natural uh, enjoyment of comics would come if uh, me in sentences. I would have liked to have seen this story told more from the point of view of Kyle Rayner, Kyle Rayner, and Connor Queen, of like because I like that. Because I feel like they're the ones that can have an arc, like they can learn, like it's that Luke Skywalker. Right. Yeah. You come on, guys, it's that Luke Skywalker thing. <laughs> um, whereas it is, it doesn't feel, and also that would give him more of a sense of streamline. Like you would have a character like, oh, I'm going to follow, like this is my Frodo, this right. is my. That's, yeah. that was my, there was nothing, what, it was just, a, it was like ten things happening as opposed yeah. to like. One thing happening around ten things, if that like yeah yeah you, know. you don't you don't you didn't they I will say there definitely wasn't a, as much of like an accessible character through right. like yeah. there was not one character who followed it well actually I feel like Green Lantern would be that guy yeah because he really did go through the hero's journey I did of, right I, I do like I mean they get when they come back when they come back from that apocalypse universe and what they cut to they're like getting like it's like if you destroy Superman destroys the Philosopher's Stone. All hell will break loose, so don't let him do that. And 
when Superman gets the Philosopher's Stone, you can hear like Kyle and the voice like, "Don't do it! It's crazy!" Don't. And I like that. I like yeah. that. Um, because that's like a moment of realism. That's like a real character moment. Whereas, yeah. uh, a more calm, collective here would be like, "We don't need to do that." Yeah, right. well, he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. I would be. I like that. So it turns out as they as they slowly unwrap the Injustice Gang's plan to break them apart because Luther wants to destroy the Justice League, they they get through that plan and uh, there are some cool like moments where uh, the jo- the Superman and Martian Manhunter have to. To uh, walk a path through the Joker's mind, oh yeah, more or less, right. which is really crazy. Yeah, so many big ideas like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did you feel about the Joker's portrayal in this compared to Jack Nicholson and/or Heath Ledger? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right in the middle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, coming from like watching Batman theaters eight times, I mean, did you gravitate more towards like the Batman stuff, like that one panel? I Robin's wanted there? to. Yeah. But I don't think I did. Like, yeah. It, like. There just wasn't enough. I don't. I didn't feel like I latched on to anything that yeah, was happening with sure. the main character and stuff. There, there's one thing. Like there were so many things. Also, I don't think I was let down, but I feel like there were so many things that I wanted to see more of. Like, is it the end of issue two where the last page is like Batman's like Lex Luthor's trying to take us over using corporate tactics while he doesn't know who he's messing with because I'm Bruce Wayne. Right. That was an awesome moment. Right. Really badass. He yeah. doesn't really. They don't really. They don't. Follow that through, really. Or it, like, happens, that it all happens off panel, yeah. I think, is what happens. Like, oh, like, I don't want to see that happen. Yeah. Ah, yeah. like, yeah. oh, that would have been great. Because he went and, it, like, then he goes and he, re- like, he recruited, he recruited Plastic Man. Yeah. To, like, in, in, in oh, you man, know. Plastic Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that seemed, that seemed weird. <laughs> yeah, he's crazy. Uh, and I remember at the time Grant Morrison talking about Plastic Man and saying, like, him to me is, like, I want to write him as a Looney Tunes character yeah. in the DC universe. Just batshit crazy. I, was Plastic Man a superhero? Yes. I just, I thought Plastic yeah. Man was just, like, a toy that you, like... <laughs> that's why I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, it would be like if he... Re- Batman went out or whoever, went out and recruited a slinky. Yeah. Like, that's literally what I thought. I was like, oh, this is Lex 90s. Luthor doesn't know who he's what messing is... with. Lex Luthor has to deal with Mr. Potato Head. A slinky. Stretch Armstrong. Those drums. Like, those drumsticks that you yeah, did yeah. a drum. Yeah. And like Nintendo air... Wii. Yeah, exactly. A Chinese finger trap. Yeah, exactly. One of those cow toys that moves when you turn it over. <laughs> well, I also, DC also has this weird thing. Marvel... Marvel, I would say Marvel never did this. DC, um, throughout their growth from the 40s through like the 70s, would just acquire companies and then incorporate all of their heroes into their universe, which is where the DC Captain Marvel comes from, which is where Blue Beetle comes from. Does Plastic Man come from another country? Company and they had to incorporate him into the DC universe, or did Hasbro, he? Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mattel had. You know, that's a really good question, and I don't remember. I don't think that he was. I he know that he's a, a really old character. Yeah, though. he's super old. He's he's a very old character. Hence that costume. Like he appeared on Cracker Jack boxes in the nineteen twenties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. That. Plastic was actually named after him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like I don't know what Plastic is. He's just well, this weird name, man. Also, Grant Morrison. 
You really missed a good uh, Indian in the Cupboard reference with Aztec and Plastic Man. Plastic. Oh, hey Indian in the Cupboard. Anyone? I like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Plastic. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, so so they're fighting, and then we wind up getting, we, we get to the point where the Injustice Gang story looks like it's about to be over. The superheroes have won, but then this cosmic <coughs> character... Uh, named Metron shows up. Comes out of nowhere. Yeah. A crazy dude in like a scooter. And teleports away the Flash, Aquaman, and Green Lantern yeah. to find... Because he tells them the Philosophy Stone has to be found and destroyed. Now, they don't know that Lex Luthor has it yet. So, he te- so Metron takes them off the board... And sends them to the far reaches of time and space. space to go yeah. find, uh, and tells them it's somewhere, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what we what, peace what, out, guys. <laughs> Have fun looking. What we find out as when they get thrown into time and space is that Metron is actually being manipulated by another even okay. bigger villain, Darkseid. Yes. Okay, because that. Maybe it was just so many words on the page, but I found I found that harder to figure out uh, or follow because at the end when they start trusting Metron again and give him the stone, in my head I was like, wait a second, yeah, yeah, he he said, so, he's so here's control. So here's what happened okay. there uh, through the storyline, the story that we're seeing, the Metron that we see. Because he keeps saying, what is the future? What is the past? These are only ideas to you. What we're actually seeing is the Metron that we see later in the book that has come back from our future to convince us that we have to create the reality that he comes from. Get it? Love I love it. time travel, you guys. I, I fucking I and I was love like, time travel. As, like, I was reading it in bed last night, and like as it was... That stuff was happening. I did sort of like, okay, this is cool. Oh yeah, wow! I was okay. like, all right, great, this is all, okay. And I was, but I still was not sure who was it. Like, the, yeah, it the was new, the new gods and all the like, Dark Side and all those characters. Metron. That's it, that is kind of in the vein of DC acquiring a company. Uh, because, like, all those are Jack Kirby characters. Yeah. Like, Jack Kirby, uh, who basically co-created the Marvel Universe with Stan Lee in the 60s, uh, went through, like, had a falling out with Marvel, then had this heyday in the 70s with DC Comics, the competition, uh, where he, they basically just, like, gave him a book and was like, do whatever you want. They gave him Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. And they gave him, uh, which is where most of these big, okay... So of all the places you would expect the, these big, crazy universe-expanding uh, creations to show up, that's where they first showed up, is it's in the Jimmy, Jimmy Ol- Olsen's comic book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he started doing all this, like, he, you know, he, he loves that big, crazy stuff. Yeah. Which is, I think it's also relevant to talk about Jack Kirby right now, because Argo, you guys... Oh, um, yeah, he, he what, did the storyboards for the, the fake movie that they used to get those... I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, that yeah. they that they use to sort of manipulate to get those people yeah. out of. Uh, yeah, uh, but but um, so Jack Kirby comes over and creates these uh, sort of wild godlike characters Great. that existed sort of in their own corner for a really long yeah. time, and then uh, they slowly kind of absorbed them into was the rest of the DC universe. This guy at was this Adam someone Adam one is Adam that, one is he a New God, or was he a Grant Morrison guy? Now, I think... Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that all of the Wonder World characters, which is where... So, Green Lantern... Green Lantern... And As if there weren't enough characters in this book already. Yeah. He's like, here's 
six more, including a woman with four arms nursing a baby? Yeah. At all times? Is that what she is? Yes. That is uh, almost certainly what that is. Um, with, uh, with, like, braids... With crazy braids. And fringe and a walking stick. Yeah. Where's her miniseries? Where's her baby's walking stick? <laughs> Before we get too far, real quick, what's the Jimmy Ol- what was the Jimmy Olsen comic book? What was the premise of it? It was it was called Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> and it was Jimmy Olsen just they, they were just like, ah, Jimmy Olsen, what's he gonna do this month? And they would just do weird shit in the book. And it ran for like over two like yeah. A couple hundred issues. Wow. Yep. Back when you could do that. And it, it, like, it would just, you know, at one point, he actually was, he became a superhero called, like, Turtle Boy, I think. <laughs> For real. For real. And, uh, Why didn't, did DC not cash in in the late 80s, early 90s on that? Uh, Tur- like, Turtle Mania, and you have an established Turtle Boy. Yeah. Fucking give that guy an ongoing series, right? Well, that was after, and again, <coughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get real deep geek speak right here. <clears throat> That, oh, was no. oh, that was post-crisis. That was post-crisis after they'd this. already relaunched all of the characters with new... <laughs> okay, no, no, I won't I won't get too far into it, but suffice to say, they the only thing that they would do at that time is sort of like, he would take a job, like, as a, like, as a, as like a sandwich board guy, and he would okay. have to be dressed up as a turtle for that, and they were like, oh, hey, remember when he was this <laughs> on comic book fans? Poke, uh. poke. So that's like a celebrity thing where it's like it just pays to be a friend of a famous person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're Superman's pal, yeah. you're going to get... If like in today you need to have a reality yeah. show. Yep. You're like um, Fonsworth Bentley. <laughs> exactly. Yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Superman's pal, Fonsworth Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, so they get to Wonder World, right? Which is where Superman and... Or, I'm sorry, Green Lantern, Flash... And Aquaman reconverge after they were like thrown through time, right? And it is a nightmare with people where these were people with the hands clasped all over their head. Well, that's the return to Earth. Oh, that's Earth. Oh, that's the. Okay, so so I'm. Oh wait, that's the Earth fifteen years in the future. Yeah. Now I feel terrible introducing you guys to this story. So many things happen. Yeah. Another quick question. Uh, (laughs) Do you just remember all of this, or do you did you brush up last night? Like, you know. Everything. That's what's I remember, intimidating. I, I remember most of this. That's what's intimidating about like comics is that as I look at your five thousand yeah. comics on this wall, and in your head you're like, he remembers all of them. But you but just I, told us you just ran without without even brushing up. You were like, oh no, that's easy to name all of the characters. Oh, exactly. in the Home Alone that's, that's one thing. Like, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. a ninety minute movie. I have yeah. nowhere. Where do I start? Like it seems so. Well, don't have any friends <laughs> yeah, when you're exactly. a kid, and uh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel like I mean to get into a wider comic book talk, which is this is the reason why we introduce it to new people because it's that like these these viewpoints are what keep the industry from growing. Like people with these concerns. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like with comics, uh, it's it's a twofold responsibility. I think it's a responsibility on the reader. To just either like have like no going in, I'm not gonna know everything. Have Wikipedia open and just fucking roll with it, which yeah. it sounds like you know you had an easy not easy time doing, but like you yeah, yeah, did yeah. Uh, because there are some people that have that no, I need to know everything. Like I need to start with issue one. But if you want to do that with Batman, then you're reading eighty issues worth of comics, sure, eighty right, years right. worth of comics, which yeah. is bad. And, and then on the other side, on the creator side. It is up to creators and responsibility of the comic book companies to tell stories with beginnings, middles, and ends, and try to not go crazy. Yeah, it's uh, and 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 I really, 
Part of the reason that I wanted to pick this as well is because in the 90s, that was a major concern. No new readers. The yeah. market collapses Especially. and shrinks. And I mean, people... Marvel Comics went bankrupt. Like, yeah. And on the flip side of this comic coming out, Marvel filed for bankruptcy. Like, it was dire. Yeah. And and they couldn't understand why. And, uh, and, and I thought it would be an interesting sort of... And I apologize for being uh, the guinea pig for this. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, I wanted... I, I thought it would be really interesting to, see, to talk with someone who is relatively new to comics in general... You know, to take a look at something like this and see why it doesn't work yeah. or what parts do work. Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and as you can see, I'm doing a lot of explaining about the <laughs> story so itself. Yeah. Because, because the superheroes that are lost through time and space go back to Earth. Yeah. Right? But, it's, but they're 15 years after Superman's destroyed the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. And that's when we find out that that was a future Metron that we met. And. Darkseid sent him back in time to convince Superman to, to manipulate events so that Superman does destroy the Philosopher's Stone. This one thing that could stop Darkseid from basically taking over the entire yeah. universe. <clears throat> and once those three get back, they find out that they are 15 years too late. And their sort of consciousnesses are what come back and find them, manifest themselves yeah. in the bodies of who they are at that time. Yeah. Which is which is another big idea, right? Yeah, I feel like this is also to this is also a style of storytelling that was popular in the '90s. Whereas I feel like if Rock of Ages was done uh, anytime after 2001, instead of six issues, this would have probably been 12 to 18 issues. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because like you get these big chunks, like you have a whole Injustice Gang chunk, and then you have a Wonder World chunk, and then you have a Future Earth chunk, and then you have a Back in Normal Earth chunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's all in six issues, which is, I like that you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. Right. But well, maybe at the sacrifice of a little bit of clarity. And comparatively to, I think, a run that just ended, I think this is, I would compare something like this that happened in six issues to Hickman's yeah. Fantastic Four run oh, yeah, most recently. Yeah, 100%. A lot of big sci-fi ideas and a lot of things that fold in on themselves yeah. and build, but... That, that was stretched out about 50 issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we get back, they, there was some really cool stuff that I liked, uh... During the battle in the future, where they you meet up with even more characters, you meet future Ray Palmer, who's the Atom, and I like that when he goes up against Darkseid, when oh they're like, God, "Oh, dude. I can see you, I, you, you, I know you can still see, so your eyes are still like penetrable by light," and he turns himself into light and then goes into his brain and then fucks him up. That was see, awesome. You asked me why I just remember all of yeah. this stuff. Uh, that is to me one of the coolest moments in comic books ever, yeah. and I still. I read this. I've read the story so many times when I was uh, when I was younger, and I thought like it would have lost its impact. When that happened again, when I read part five, which I to me is like one of the coolest comic books ever, uh, and I know it's really, really you have to have a lot of working knowledge. Uh, but when when they beat Darkseid, uh, I still I still got goosebumps. Like I I love that really? shit, man. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's clever. But, I think yeah, it's smart. It's, it's, it's that. It's the mix of, um, it's that clever, cool thing where in really short succession you get, like, uh, cool action meets, like, cool idea that ends up be digging down the unbeatable foe. It's yeah. like that, bam, like the that last really stand. Yeah, like, it's that cool, it's blowing up the Death Star, man. Like, it's yeah. cool, it's, get, come on, guys, <laughs> get on board. No, um, 
I think that was really cool. Uh, I, w- I wanted more of that. Like, I wanted one of those every issue. Yeah, and I loved... I, I love that... You can tell Grant Morrison clearly loves Batman, too, because Batman, I think to Grant Morrison, Batman is the ultimate human. And uh, here's a guy that was tortured for four years in this reality and, uh, and still found a way to beat the guy that was torturing him and formulate a plan to take down the anti-god of the universe. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I love that Batman, man. Uh, I, this was future Connor Queen... Uh, has a really weird look going on. <laughs> well, he's... It's sort he of... the future. You, I, I think that it plays off of what happened earlier in the story where Connor... Connor is convinced to walk away from the League after they have that cup of coffee because they're talking about... Uh, Cersei manipulates him, yeah. talking to him about his dad, and I think this is a look and tribute to his dad. He looks oh, yeah. very much like Oliver well, Queen here. He has like the the handlebar kind of mustache goatee mm-hmm. thing that Oliver... But then he also has like a really a buzzed head, and he also looks like Super tan. Yeah. yeah. He's been GTLing in the future. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, too, I love this panel. I absolutely love the panel that you're zoomed in on. So this is a panel. So what happens is they, the remaining heroes in the future launch an, a final assault on Darkseid when he arrives on Earth. And, uh, and Green Arrow, a guy who's been complaining for the first four issues in our reality that all he is is a dude with arrows and he yeah, doesn't know right. what he's doing here. Kills the anti-god of the universe. Kills Darkseid. Yeah. And he still he still doesn't know if the plan's working. And the fear that Howard Porter draws in his eyes here. And just, like, all of the uh, all of the working knowledge that you have of this character in this story, up until this moment, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I love this panel. There's just a yeah. lot in there to yeah. me. Um, just the insecurity of, like, I think I did it, and he's still so scared... But he's not backing down. And I love those big heroic moments like that. Yeah. Did this, um... Uh, did this have enough action for your buck? Do you feel like you got a, a big budget movie? Oh, I, yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> like I said, I think I would have wanted less. Like, I think yeah. maybe the story told yeah. over the course of 18 issues, and we just see more, like, slowed down, like, things, like scenes in the coffee shop kind of yeah. stuff mm-hmm. yeah. where it's like oh let me breathe let me oh let me chuckle yeah. let me, like see what's happening that's the, that's the thing I wanted to ask you guys is the experience of reading this stuff month to month versus you know, like in a chunk like I assume you're all reading what 10 to 10 comics a month or something or 40 how, how, how really you, wow if you, if that's a, I didn't even re- I didn't know it was that many that's I, amazing I, mean, I, get, I, I follow 35 ongoings yeah. uh, that are new and then on top of that I mean I'm reading another 10 like yeah. digitally mm-hmm. as as I read them and it's too it's way too much I was gonna say like you know if it's the first comic you read in a month like when the next issue comes out like you have no problems like remembering what I, happened it's hard it's okay. ridiculously hard Marvel Comics have recap pages where they like catch you up, um, okay. like what's happened before. DC Comics doesn't do that. Um, it's like super hard. It's, I feel like if I, if I like I'm reading Manhattan Projects by Jonathan Hickman, and I yeah. have no idea what's happening. Like, oh man, that I've only read the first issue of that, and it was incredible. I love it, but I I just read issue seven, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I've read all. I've read every issue. I don't know what's happening, and I think it's because. Big ideas like this, I feel like you either have you have to really pay attention to, and then you need to 
so many details that you need to remember. I feel like when a new issue comes out, I need to read all six of them again. Like, I need to read all of them mm-hmm. in one chunk. Yeah, uh, it's it's a weird... Ba- <laughs> it's definitely a weird balance, too, because, as we were talking about before, they crammed a lot into six issues here. But if you expand it into 18, that's a slow burn across... Like, yeah, if they come out year, monthly, yeah, yeah. that's 18 months yeah. to just follow one story. And, yeah, you would have to... You definitely... Yeah, right. But in the course of but in a story like this, you would have, like... Six issues with the Injustice Gang, like two issues or three issues in Wonder World, and then like you would you yeah. would get to like so they would feel more like a whole like four whole stories as opposed to one maybe yep like one giant story with like four mini stories so in you, them oh boy is your preference that tell three three six month stories in eighteen months rather than one long I want eighteen I it? want eighteen stories in eighteen months like my ideal. I mean, like, the way comics were done in, like, the 60s and the majority of the 70s were, like, every issue was a beginning, middle, like and a end. a bottle, sort of. Yeah, thing. and I feel like that, with, with, like, a general acknowledgement that there is a continuity growing, like, if a, if a villain comes back, the hero will comment, the last time we fought, but that, you know. Um, but I, I think that that is one of the things that would really help the industry out, is if there was more beginning, middle, end yeah. in every issue, so that every issue is, like, an easier jumping on point. Uh, yeah. I think... The reading experience was surprisingly cinematic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I didn't realize there were credits like it in the second or third yeah. page. Like, yeah. It just felt like it opened, like a cold open sort of thing. Like the title page. Like, uh-huh. it, was yeah. like, it was kind of, it was like moving and it like moved you in the yeah. right way. Like, yeah. It was a, definitely an enjoyable experience from someone who like, was very ready to be like, ah, this is stupid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my, now, now at this point, my uh, interest is uh, scared of this like on the uh, <laughs> 7000 things i don't know oh sure yeah. and like is intimidated yeah, yeah. well it's it, it's interesting too because you know it, comics definitely has that sort of uh i don't want to say stigma but that that's definitely something that is very much associated with it and and it's funny because i feel like uh i feel like network television is starting to move in more of like a soap operatic oh absolutely very yeah. very invested direction the way comics is already sort of been and it's that like I don't think anyone would just start watching Breaking Bad right now oh absolutely like, not yeah but where, whereas I feel like 10 years ago or 15 years ago you would start watching a show on season 4 or right. 5 and just be like oh yeah well, I even that, watching that it, well, like, like I start watching X-Files in season 5 and I would catch up on reruns but like on Breaking FX. Bad is like such an arc to it oh yeah it's like I don't think someone would watch start watching like season 6 or whatever it is of like Grey's Anatomy where it's like yeah. You could. I, mean, I assume that's just a like, still just a drama, like yeah, a hospital yeah. drama thing that you could pick up and don't yeah. need, or like season ten of ER, like yeah, yeah. you're going to be satisfied. It doesn't have it to do with anything with yeah. the backstory, but I don't. I think people are being trained to watch from the beginning. Yeah, which which is the exact opposite of comic books. Oh, well, I mean, it's there are ways to do that with comics, but they're not easy to suss out. I feel like you can do that with comics with like creator runs, like. Brian Michael Bendis did a really great 60-issue run on Daredevil. Yeah. That, for the most part, is his 60 issues of Daredevil that he did beginning, middle, end. It is, it's very much like one thing. Uh, but that started with, like, issue 22 of Daredevil. Right. So you could start with issue 1, and it's also a volume 2 of Daredevil. Like, the numbering is, is very misleading at times. Uh, and then you also have to realize, well, there's 30 years of continuity before Brian Bendis' run... You have to, as a new reader, be like, well, I don't really need to read that. Right. And also, yeah. comic books, unlike TV, don't come right to your house. 
So there's that like. <laughs> well, they do now digitally, guys. But there's also that. Yeah, come on, come on. There's that level of like. <laughs> I gotta go find this wherever yep. I go find it. Where yep. do I start? Yep. Where, what do I pick up? What of these thirty-five issues you read every month? Yeah, in the early nineties, it was reading? easy because you could find them in gas stations and WalMarts and grocery stores, right. which is how they got to be so big. And now they're all did niche. They, did they get so big just because people were, like you said, artificially buying twenty yep. copies and like they had all this extra money that they could <clears> well mass spread? I mean, comics and, comics were still. Okay, so uh, I, I believe I believe that part of what it was was that they were um, the publishing companies would would set up uh, distribution deals, right? And in order to like hit a certain volume discount and things like that, they had to push out a certain level of product, right? So then they started striking deals with anyone that would be able to put their comics out, right? So, like, newsstands, newsstands immediately, they already had distribution deals with newspapers, right? So, uh, or, like, like comics, comics syndicates. So these people already had these contacts, so the comic book industry just kind of bled into that and started distributing at a newsstand level. And the, the comic book specialty shop wasn't a thing that really started until late 70s, early the late 80s. 70s or early 80s. It's still a relatively young concept, and which may be a relatively dead concept in like yeah. 10 years. Well, well, maybe in 10 years, but over the past year, I mean, there have been reports like all comic book stores are now seeing a really big uptick in uh, in interest. Yeah. But that could be like a false uptick, like you were it like, could, where it's like, yeah, because of the digital, <laughs> people are starting to get into it, but then I think well, they're they're doing something again that's very similar to what happened in the '90s, yep. which is that everything has 13 covers. So, like an issue one comes out, like like they just had a brand new Avengers series just started, and they put two heavy hitting, really really great, uh, really great artists and a really great writer, John Cassidy and uh, and Rick Remender, are doing this book together. It had 19 covers. For just the first issue, and these and and they're at various levels of print run, right? Yeah. So there's so there's 19 covers, but one of them there's only they only printed like a thousand of them, right? So then a retailer can get that if they can get that one if they order so many copies of the original one. So yeah. like a retailer will order 300 copies when they may only need 150, so just so they can the get one. this and it's and sell and it sell for it, way more yeah. money. It's it's a lot of it's dangerous stuff and it's yeah. kind of worrying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the boom happened because of that. And it also happened, I feel like, I mean, I just read the Untold History of Marvel Comics. Uh, I always botch the title. I think that's what it's called. Um, and when they get to that, uh, I feel like in the late 80s, specifically, they're, like the news, like like one news outlet did a story about how someone sold an, like Superman's first appearance for a couple hundred thousand dollars or something. And that that is one of those interesting stories that then gets passed along. And then I feel like it just became word of mouth that like more and more of these stories sort of getting told on news magazines, on TV, right. yeah. and like about how comic books are worth. Don't throw out those old things because comic go the right. like the gold mine in your attic type yeah. thing started happening, and all that hit. And like it was a weird perfect storm of events in the early '90s because on top of that, you also had like comic books themselves started kind of becoming more popular. Of their own merit, because they had a lot of incredibly innovative, hot, of the now artists um, that were doing a lot of those zeitgeisty 90s things, like half-cyborg future warriors, and, like, they were really catching A lot of future warriors in the 90s. (laughs) Um, A lot of future warriors. 
like reading a lot of early '90s comics feels like either watching a Salt and Pepper music video right. or watching Terminator Two. Like, yeah. a, like they were really a lot of leather jackets with the yep. sleeves pushed up yeah. and like tights. They're really like, tights cat- and heels. A lot of supermodels like Mary Jane from Spider-Man looked exactly like Cindy Crawford. Like it was, they were really capturing on the zeitgeist. Comics were artists were doing that naturally, so they were already selling more. And then those artists got in their head like, well, we make all the money. So they, like, quit Marvel Comics, formed their own company, launched all these new books, which had new number ones with, with like, special, uh, like, chrome variant covers. Yeah. It, was, it was a big, big, perfect storm of events that all conspired of, like, comics getting popular on their own, people now thinking they're worth a lot of money, a whole lot of new number ones being published, and... Mm-hmm. It and uh, and it rode the way for a couple of years and then crashed. Crashed, yeah, it crashed hard, and you know part of it too is like it would be it would be like if you again sort of like talking about TV if you just if if you were able to purchase physical copies of every single episode of a TV show and uh, you thought oh if I held if I had five copies of the season premiere of The Office. Right. And I held on to them. I don't care about the office. I'm just like holding on to it. Uh, and, and the thing is, too, not even just in comics. That's a dangerous investment theory in general. Like <laughs> if you're an investor in like companies and like in, uh, investing your in your money in the market, you you don't want to invest in companies that you don't give a shit about. Right. Yeah. You know, because if you do that, then this is what happens. You don't care. You barely care about it, and you think that. You, you so because you barely care about it, you don't do enough research on it. So you don't even know if it's a good comic. Right. You're, 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 I'm yeah. sorry, you're a good stock. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like buying stocks because you're like, sure. oh, they're all gonna go up because I watch Mad Money with Jim Cramer. Well, you're getting the wrong lessons from that right. if that's all you hear, you know. <laughs> and that's uh, it's sort of that idea that like bled onto the market, onto the comics market, and you can't. You can't invest in things that you don't give a shit about because you don't. It, you know, if you have a if you have a job that you don't give a shit about, then you're you're, you're probably checked out most of the time right, that you're right. there. So you're probably not doing the best job you could. Yeah, I don't uh, know. The b- big detour. Big detour. <laughs> well, the conclusion the conclusion of the story, which by the way has an appearance by uh, uh, Howard Porter and uh, a guest two guest artists help him finish this book. Gary yeah. Frank, yeah. doing some early work coming over from uh, Marvel. And Greg Land, Greg Land, whose work here looks nothing like his uh, work today. Uh, by the way, Greg, Greg Land, Land sounds like somebody that, that people know. I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> he is notorious nowadays for uh, there's a thing like light boxing where artists essentially like they trace trace yeah. a lot of things. Uh, he almost exclusively does that, and the majority of the women that he light boxes may or may not be from porn. There's a lot of, like, blowjob faces and a lot of, yeah. like, weird anatomy and a lot of, like, huge tits uh, yeah. and feathered hair. A lot of blowjob faces. I bet that guy could talk about porn the way that we can talk about yeah. comic books. That's... Uh, to, to sum him up, inexplicably an issue of Uncanny X-Men, Emma Frost is just wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. no, she is an upper crust, uh, faux English adopting, well, like, businesswoman who wears sexy attire from Massachusetts, and she's just wearing a cowboy hat. Because right. why not? Because it's hot, man. And not to, like, you know, not that it's a competition, but to give a point to porn. Very approachable. 
from like yeah. have an episode, watch yeah. it. Yeah, you're gonna find it's something you one. like. It's done in one. And, yeah, hole. as long as exactly. you, but you have to make sure you like. Find if I watch one. Busty, like cops or whatever, I don't. Mm-hmm. I can pick up right at issue seventeen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Just yeah. whatever's happening, I can yeah. watch. Yeah, listen, listen. Do I have to watch the first sixteen Angel Bangs to get the seventeen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long no, as you no, can relate Angel gets to banged. one of the characters, right. as long as you can yeah. relate to one of them, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they they stop. Lex Luthor, they fight in the dark a whole bunch. Yeah, it becomes it becomes a, a, a sort of I don't want to say more typical, but it's a it's a superhero showdown yeah. that we were promised at the beginning right. of the story. Right? It comes back to the Injustice Gang, and you know the the Justice League do what they do, and they take out uh, they take out the bad guys, and then we come up to the point that <laughs> created the future where Superman's about to destroy the Philosopher's Stone, yeah. and. Kyle Rayner's, uh, Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern's message gets through. They they make it back in time, uh, yeah. and they stop Superman from destroying it. And uh, and the superheroes that are in the the present again kind of get a rundown of what happened with our time traveling heroes. And then present day Metron shows up to take the Philosopher's Stone to the edge of the universe, yeah. uh, where it's going to be safe. Whew. Uh, one final thing that I want to bring up or ask is, on the JLA Watchtower in the coda, after, every, like, in just, like, the wind-down, everyone's, what, what is up with these chairs that have faces in them? <laughs> I... Did the bad guys get turned into chairs? Because, like, Flash mm. is just sorting chairs that all have faces in them. No, I think that that was a remnant of the Joker holding the Philosophy Stone. I think that that okay. was... An, I think that that was a quiet joke... Of him, like, putting... Because that's definitely Joker's chin. Yeah, yeah. And his nose. Like, you know, the first thing he thought it would be funny to do is put... Like, imprint himself (laughs) on top of these chairs so that they always have to see that. Walk me through the joke, Grant Morrison. Gotta walk (laughs) me through the joke. You gotta walk him to the stage. Come on. It's an old Bill Hicks lesson. Oh. Well, that mean. So that's a crash course in comics, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we threw you into the deep. We definitely threw you into the deep end, and I really appreciate you uh, taking this ride from uh, with us. So what? What were your? Oh, also another '90s trope. Just real quick. The last page is the jail is disbanded, uh, and then if you look at the cover for the next issue, is the new lineup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so takeaways from this book. What were your What were your thoughts? How did you feel about it? And be honest. If you yeah. If you didn't like it, you didn't like it. And why not? And And what did you like? There were a lot of pieces I liked. Like I got excited when the time travel stuff started happening, and like yeah. like wrapping my mind around that. Uh, Blue Superman has got to go. I don't know what about that. Yeah, uh, everyone everyone kind of agreed about that. Yeah, he did like, go. He did go. Like I I did I do like the idea of these characters you know and love like working together. Like yeah. that, or sort of like being seen together in the same pages yeah. and stuff. Like, be very excited for a Justice League movie where like a like a Batman and a Superman are on screen together. Yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers is trying. Like, like, I feel like it'll probably be terrible or whatever. But yeah, most yeah, yeah. It was pretty well. Warner Brothers is an iffy track record. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there, yeah, there were a lot of like great things, and I, I, I mean, I, but I was. I was learning how to read them. I think yeah. it was a big yeah. hindrance, and like, sure. um, but it, I, I, I did find myself like getting pulling the iPad a little closer and closer, and like, getting, like <laughs> oh, this is kind of cool. Like, <laughs> so I feel like the door is open to comics in the future. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd, I'd have to like 
press the gas now, otherwise I think I'll just dismiss okay. it. Okay, well, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> press <laughs> the so gas. So <laughs> Give him Watchmen. Give him Watchmen. Um, well, the thing, the thing is, is like... Um, the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is comics are really just another medium with which to tell stories, and they're sure. literally yeah. And I think a lot of people just assume it is capes and tights. Um, well, what the, oh, like do you read com- any comics that aren't superheroes? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, definitely. Morning Glory. I, I like Morning Glory. Yeah. Um, Manhattan Projects is Manhattan crazy. Projects. Man- Manhattan Projects is like a w- crazy like science fiction World War Two. So uh, the conceit behind that is it takes place during World War Two, and it's at the Manhattan Project. Right. Right. But. It's, but what if the Manhattan Project wasn't just about nuclear bombs? What if they were also creating other, like, weird science fiction yeah, things? Okay. And uh, uh, It's yeah. really good. I read Scalped, which is uh, a crime drama set on a Native American reservation. Oh, uh, wow. With, like, behind-the-scenes, like, mob stuff with, like, casinos and the FBI and I guess, all that. Yeah, where do, like, without already being a comic book nerd... Yeah. Where would I hear of that? Like, uh, where, like the a- Onions yeah. AV Club has usually has really good uh, articles about this stuff. Okay. They like I think I don't know if they have a comics tab. I think they have a comic section under the books. But they they'll have a do tag. Yeah, they'll but... do things like every like once a week they'll say big issue and they'll like get, give a rundown of like all the big comics that have come out that week. And in general, they'll say like how do I get into Batman? How do I get into Superman? Superhero comics? How do I get into? Yeah. Not superhero comics. They've right. done some really good articles with that. And it's also like, it's the AV club, so that's not, you're not having to go to, like, a comic book website. <laughs> like, yeah, the AV right, club is yeah, a thing that's right. already in people's feeds, because I read it for, like, music and TV stuff yeah, and movies, right, and they also have that. Um, and also just, like, you know, you can ask brands. And, um, yeah, I, f- I mean, the idea of, like, reading a book that has pictures... <laughs> On board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. sign me up, right? So Less like, work on me, more work on the artist. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's like I where I want to find the like interesting stories. Like I love Spider Man, Batman, Superman, everything else, probably not interested really. Yeah. Sure. But like I am interested in reading like stories and stuff like Yeah. Like this desert wasteland Indian reservation, yeah. or whatever that that sounds like, that might be great. Yeah. yeah, and it like I don't think I need sixty years of knowledge to read it. No, probably no, right. not. And most of the things that are superheroes are things that like have usually one writer, one artist, and they start with the number one, and they like last fifty, sixty issues. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they those are those are the really good gateways because those are like beginning, middle, end. Uh, yeah. My all time, as much as I love, and you know, I read majority superhero books usually when I read comic books, but my all time favorite. Uh, a comic was easily Preacher, which is a story about uh, a preacher from Texas who's decided to quit. He's giving up on God in that day. Um, the so another big sort of science fiction concept: uh, uh, an angel, an angel and a demon had sex and spawned, uh, and and the baby that is born is a creature that's actually more powerful than God, and God. God disappears from the kingdom of heaven because he is legitimately afraid of this being. And this being is immediately uncontrollable and shoots down and possesses this preacher who is just about to give up on the cloth. And now he has what they call the word of God. And if he says something in a certain way, they can do, these people will do whatever he says to them. Uh, And it, it lasts about 65 issues and it's, it's not so much about the high concept. Like he gets, he finds out 
that God has abandoned the throne and he's like, that is, and it, a lot of swearing, a lot of violence. He's yeah. like, that's fucking <laughs> bullshit. We are going, he's like a cowboy. Right. He's like, we are going to find God. We're kicking his ass and we're shoving him back on that throne if it kills us. <laughs> uh, and, and he meets up with his ex-girlfriend that he, uh, that, that they used to steal cars together before he like, uh, there, there's, there's a backstory there and it eventually unfolds and it is, it's this really great character piece with this weird, dark humor and this crazy, strange violence and, uh, and it's all self-contained. You don't need yeah. a lot of working knowledge outside of it and I dropped Bill Hicks's name earlier. Bill Hicks actually is a big influence. He actually is a yeah, character yeah. in the book at one oh, point. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, so that sounds incredibly interesting to me. Does that... Where do I find sixty-five issues of that? Is that does it get put into a book later once it's finished? Yeah, there it's it going it, to cost one hundred and eighty dollars. Well, if you have an iPad, it's on. Uh, Comixology. You head on Comixology.com. If you download the Comixology app, you can actually download them in chunks, like story arcs, the way that we did. Yeah. They'll collect them as like one thing, and it'll be cheaper than buying the single okay. issues. So, like the first, I think the first seven issues are collected in one book and then eight through 14 are collected in another. Um, and yeah. the first one's called gone to Texas. I highly recommend it. It sets everything up. And then the second arc is called until the end of the world. And it is in, it's, it's incredible. Like the, the weird, the weird characters that show up and the stuff that happens is really dark and it's uncomfortable and it's, and it's incredible. Cool. Comicsology is like iTunes for comics. Yes, basically, and that's where you buy them, not read them. No, you, well, you yeah. buy them, and you can either read them. You read them through the app on your devices, or you can also read them through the website uh, on your laptop. Like, yeah, um, uh, yeah. That was a, that was a problem for a long time. Is like how, how do you even read comics? Um, but they've gotten really good in the past ten years of just reprinting everything and collecting them into like you know trade paperbacks, uh, which always have like one story, like. Like, Rock of Ages would be all reprinted in one volume in right. a trade paperback form. Yeah. Cool. Um, oof. Crash Course! Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. We ran yeah. you through it. Uh, uh, so, so yeah. More interested in comics than I was 24 hours ago. If that was the mission... Yeah! All right! Yeah. Woo! That's amazing. Uh, well, hopefully our listeners are now more interested in America Won't Shut Up than they were <laughs> before they started, yeah. which is a podcast you can find on iTunes. You can. As on, it has a Twitter account. Uh, hashtag AWSU. Same yeah. on Tumblr. What uh, what uh, what uh, what episodes do you have coming up? Uh, we have the, our next two episodes are America will not shut up about uh, not helping, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, America won't shut up about smoking. Great. So th- that's what's in store. That's what's in the pipeline. Awesome. Awesome, that's really exciting. Uh, so where else so Where else online can people find you and what other projects you have coming up? Uh, plug away. Uh, sure, uh, I'm on Twitter at thejasonflowers, uh, jasonflowers.tumblr.com, that's where I hang out online. Uh, I work, I produce a show for Blip called The Show You're Watching that comes out on Tuesdays. That's sort of a, a show about web shows. And that's the, the who's who about what's happening yeah. in the web. So. Sort of a recap of, of web shows, the yeah. way that we sat here yeah, and recapped exactly. comic books. Yeah. 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 Nice. So check that out. Awesome. Well, that's it's great cool. having you on. Yeah, yeah man. This was really fun. Guys. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I'm, pro- I, I'm being honest. I'm probably going to check out that preacher thing. I'll, uh, yeah, yeah. Once, once we get off here, I'll, I'll tell you where to look, and I can probably point you out. I think I might have my physical copies still cool. somewhere. Uh, 
Yeah. You can go to our website, mattandbrettlovecomics.com. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes because it helps us out. Go on and check out the back issues as well, which is what we call episodes that we've done before, before this one. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. I... Now, are people not going to listen to this because they need to listen to the first? No, uh, no, 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 no. No, no. Oh, okay, any okay, order, no. Any order. Any order. <laughs> any order. Jeez, gosh. Any orders. No, 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 no. We're done in ones. We're done in ones. <laughs> I, I was very intimidated coming because I don't know the canon of your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, wait, wait. So, so like, Brett's blue and electric? <laughs> Now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Long story. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and at Brett White. Uh, also, uh, what else? Comic resources every Wednesday have an article. That's... And your face jam. Yeah. Yeah. Great column. Great column, by the way, this week. Yay. Uh, been things. knocking it out of the park, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter slash the Matt Little. Um, lefthandedradio.com as well. Check that out. Uh, head to our website. If you like Rock of Ages, we will have links to Comixology through there, and we will also have links uh, to Amazon. If you are going to purchase them on Amazon, please click through from the site. Um, there's no there's no additional cost, but it does kick some money back to us. And, and that's no. a really cool thing that Amazon does yeah. to be able to support free shows like this without actually charging you or us any yeah. money. I don't know how the hell that works, yeah. but like, also, I'll take it if they'll give it. <laughs> anything you buy on Amazon, do that. Yeah, click through click just, through from us. If you want to buy click... some shoes, just <laughs> right. go to our site, click on one of the things we have linked to, and then search for your shoes. Look, right now you're on Amazon looking at shoes, so just, just bounce <laughs> out real fast, click over to the site, and click back to Amazon yeah. there. Bars. Uh, yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, uh, and thanks again to Jason Flowers for hanging out with us today. Thank you guys for having me. This is great. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so until next time, this is Matt. This is Brett. And we love comics. We love comics. comics. We do. Holla at your boy. What, what? Yay, yay. Yay.